Welcome to Flippin' Awesome Coaching, a podcast designed for athletes who love a challenge and want to see just how far they can really go. I'm your host, Amy Twiggs, and the podcast starts now. Okay, guys, I'm super excited. This is Flippin' Awesome Coaching with athletes right now. I'm talking to Jody Moore. I'm going to be interviewing her today, and I'm so thrilled to have her on here with us. She I'm going to give her a little intro, but I'm going to let her talk about herself for a second too, because I don't have all the information ever with anything, but, um, but she, she's been doing podcasts for quite a while. She's worked with thousands of people on relationships and this month, we're going to be talking about relationships with our, with the athletes. And so I was super excited to have you on here to talk about some of your insights because you work with moms, but you also work with dads and youth and everybody on relationships. And some of the relationships specifically that I was thinking is not the animate ones, like the inanimate, the ones with like relationships with like money and finances and weight, because you work with those a lot. But we're yes. going to take another direction. But tell us a little bit about you, Jody, before we start, before we start going with those. All right. Um, well, like you said, Amy, I am a master certified life coach. I was certified through the life coach school five years ago. And I've been just working with, um, like you said, primarily women, um, but individuals who basically two categories, either they want to solve a problem in their life or they want to achieve goals. And ideally it's going to be some of both because none of us are free from either of those things, I don't think. So I have a coaching practice where I work with individuals online to um, just up-level their lives, mental and emotional health. I think is so important. And I think the, the, even just the routine maintenance of our mental and emotional health is so important and is pretty highly neglected in our country. And so I'm just so fortunate that I get to do that work. It's super fun. I have four kids of my own and a husband. And so all the work that I'm teaching my clients, I'm applying to my own life as well. Aren't we all always? And that's how I kind of got to know Jody is um, from Brooke Castillo from the, from the life coach school. So I felt very blessed to know these amazing women from, from there. And Jody's a master coach, like she said as well. So I'm so super thrilled that you're on here with us today. Thank um, you. So with that, um, because you have been talking about, you did a podcast recently, which is what I want to kind of uh, expose in a different light. But All right. You, you did it about relationships. And, okay. and I don't know if you remember that. She does a podcast, you guys, um, called Better Than Happy, which is so appropriate for athletes. You know that athletics is not always about being excited all the time. In fact, we're actually taught many times to push away all the negative um, emotions. That's what I was trained for 18 years is negative emotions were not going to get me the win. So that's what we were normally trained about to do. And her podcast, Better Than Happy, is amazing. It helps you realize that life is more than just the wins, just the happy. There's the other side too that we've always been trained not to feel. So listen to that. But with that being said, you just um, talked about relationships on a podcast a few weeks ago that I thought would be great to talk about with athletes in, um, well, I'm going to go ahead and let you just tell us the three points of relationships. Are you good, good with that? Sure. That sounds great. Okay, so yeah, on that particular episode, I kind of broke it down into um, the three components of a relationship. And, and before I even explain that, I should take a step back and explain that a relationship is really just the story you tell yourself in your head. Right, a relationship is not a tangible thing. We can't touch it, right, or see it. Um, and in fact, like 
Amy, you and I have a relationship, mm-hmm. right? Because I have a story about you and myself in relation to you. And you have a story about me and yourself. And we don't even know if our stories align, which is always right. the case, right? What, no matter, you know, even your most intimate, like your marriage relationship or your relationship between a parent and a child. And so relationship, your relationship re- exists for you in your mind with another person. And so if we break that story down into the three components, the first component is what I think the other person thinks of me, Mm -hmm. right? So I have a story in my head in regards to you, Amy, and what I think that you think of me, Mm -hmm. right? And whether or not that's even accurate is somewhat (laughs) up for question, right? right? That's the first component of a relationship. The second component of the relationship is what I think of you the way I think about you and it, which is going to generate the way I feel about you. And and that's going to also drive how I show up around you. Mm -hmm. And then the third component is how I think or feel about myself in relation to you. Mm -hmm. So what our brains tend to want to do is to focus on the first thing the most, like what does Amy think of me? If I could win her over, or if I could get her to approve of me or accept me, or to show up the way I want her to in some way, then we think that we have a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the part that, first of all, is the most outside of my control. Yeah, yeah, right. right. And second of all, really not as important and not affecting me as much as those other two components, what I think of you and what I think of me in relation to you. Right, right. Okay, so this is what I love. And then you also added one more component is what I think they think of us. Is, is Yeah. Well, it, that's kind of that first component, right? There's what you genuinely think of me, but, uh-huh. but I don't even necessarily know what that is. Even if you tell me, oh, Jody, I think you're so amazing and so whatever. In my head, I'm like either deciding like, yeah, that's so sweet that she thinks that. Or I'm thinking, she's just saying that. Yeah. She doesn't really think that, right? Like, so really what you think of me doesn't affect me. What affects me is what I think that you think of me. Right. Which I think right? is super important for our athletes. I really want these athletes to understand this, that I'm going to put it into an inanimate is what we think of our sport. Because mm-hmm. the way my athletes are, a lot of athletes are showing up for their sport depends on how they think the sport is either not really, I guess, thinking about them, but in a way, yeah. Mm-hmm what they think they have um, control over, what they don't have control over. And this is kind of one of the twists I want to take with that relationship mm-hmm. is yeah. if you say your thoughts about the sport, your thoughts mm-hmm. about you, and then your thoughts that, of what the sport's supposed to do for you. Yes. We have this um, dependency going on with a lot of athletes where if the sport provides gold medals, then they think that they're a good enough person, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I like kind of messing around with that. Now, if we were to take your, the relationship points and Mm -hmm. put an inanimate object, kind of like when you put weight loss and finances as the third point, Mm -hmm. what we think about our weight, what we think about our money, what we think about our sport for these athletes specifically, I wondered about your thoughts on how we could help the athletes understand how their thoughts about the sport and what they think the sport's supposed to do for them Mm -hmm. is affecting the way they feel their experience of life. And yeah. what, they're, what they're getting from it. I think it's so important to think about it that way. And, and like you said, Amy, probably something that most people aren't considering. I do this even about my relationship with my business. Yes. Or I think you can do this about your relationship with your life, right? So to think about that sport and 
and I'm sure, you know, not, not being a pro athlete myself, but certainly I can relate it to other areas. We have these areas of our lives where we have this expectation that it provides something for us, yes. right? And so that that sport, like you said, fulfills me or excites me, or that's where I get validation, or that's where I achieve goals and things, right? Mm-hmm. And we expect, again, this is what I used to do with my business was like, my business is going to make me feel accomplished and it's going to, it's going to make money for me and it's going to do all these things for me, which is the equivalent of me saying, Amy, what are you providing for me? If I'm constantly thinking about what somebody else or something else is providing for me, I'm often disappointed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Exactly. Yeah. And to shift that instead to a healthier perspective, which is this, my sport is just there. It just is right. Mm -hmm. And how I think about it matters. And I can think about it how I think about it's going to generate how I feel about it, which is going to uh, generate how I show up for it. So I'll just use, again, my business as an example, and we can relate it to the sport, which is when I first started my business, I just thought this will just be fun. Let's just see where this goes, which I can see a lot of people getting into their sport that way, right? Like they just genuinely enjoy it, find that they're good at it. They'd rather be on their hands and their feet. Yeah. Yes. Fun. And, and you start out that way, and I kind of equate that to, it's kind of like dating. You know, you're like, oh, this, this person is fun. And everything feels light and exciting and kind of rose-colored and fun. Mm-hmm. But you get to a certain point with something like a sport, if you're going to go all in on it or a business or a you know, personal relationship, yeah. when things become a little bit more serious and, and maybe at one point you get married or you... Um, right? I, I t- started taking my business more seriously. My husband left his job to, we were genuinely going to support our family this way. And with an athlete, that's going to be, what, what will it be for an athlete? Well, it's when they get to the level where instead of worrying about so, um, social activities, those, those mm-hmm. go to the back, you know, those are right. worrying about finances and worrying about time commitments because it's a family thing. And a lot of times parents are like, do we really want to give up her life? Right. Sport, you know? That's right. And so they get to the certain level where it's like, it's, it's either you're going to be doing 40 hours a week of gym or baseball or whatever it is, or let's just quit because it's not worth it. So we hear these ideas where it's yeah. just not worth it. If you're not going to go all in, let's just not do it instead of, oh, there's, yeah. that's a whole another a whole another field I'd love to talk, to talk about sometime, but the relationship with the parents of the idea of if yeah. they're not going to succeed at this level, why are we even doing it? Those guys, yes. you know, but anyways, but yeah. That's and it's about. that point, I think in the relationship at which for me anyway, with my business, you know, I had to take a step back and recognize like, wait a second, my brain is starting to go to the place of like, but this is hard. This isn't that much fun. It used to be so much more fun. What happened? Like, I don't want, yeah. And we start to have these thoughts like, now I have to do this. Mm-hmm. This is expected of me. And if I don't, there's all these consequences. And we kind of remove the fun element and we yes. can easily move into like more of a resentful type of relationship, mm-hmm. right? With yeah the sport, with the business, with the person. And to just be on to yourself, I think is the key, right? Mm-hmm. To notice like, oh, 
why am I thinking about my sport in that way? I want to think about it in a positive way. And I'm going to have to direct my brain. Like, I love this sport. I'm so grateful that I get to do this. And I'm willing to do some hard things. And I'm making these choices every day. It's a choice. I could walk away from this at any minute, right? That right there, I think is key that I can walk away because I think a lot of, this is professional. I just interrupted you because I would love that you are good. The, I've, I've found with the professionals that I've worked with that they don't feel like they can walk away. That's a huge right. thing is once they're at a certain level, they don't have anything else they can go to. And, and that's the thought of, I can let go of this isn't even a, it, to them, that's not even a place that they can even consider because they can't, they've become so, that is their life, that is their career, that is everything. So to let go of it means that they're changing their whole identity, which is a crisis. Yeah. And so many of us were taught, like, it sounds so noble to say, but quitting is not an option. Right. Right. Right? It sounds like that will get me through or divorce is not an option. Mm -hmm. And what, what we really teach people is like, what that does is it kind of, um, starts to impede on your sense of self. Yes. And your sense of belonging to yourself and creating your life and making choices on your own. And that's where resentment starts to build up and that feeling of being trapped. So I like to help my clients get back into a space of like, no, you can walk away from that sport. I don't, and they'll, but you don't understand. We've invested so much time and money and all these people will be disappointed. And you're like, Miami. yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that you'll choose to walk away. But to get yourself to like, no, I could walk away. Divorce is an option. I could just stop doing this business today if I wanted. We would be fine. Then that's when you can step back into the energy of like, no, I want to do this. I'm choosing to do this. It feels so different when they realize they do have a choice. And I think that's one of the things that I I, um, have tried to work with my athletes on is that you always have a choice. You can, and when, and I think the thing is, wait, if you tell my kids and my teammates and as coaches, my team, that they can, they don't have to do this sport and they're hundred percent. Okay. Then they have this fear that why would they ever do it again? And I find that when they get to that point, they actually want to do more. Yes. They're actually willing to try it harder and take more risks. So it creates a, a better athlete in general, but what do you find? Yeah, definitely. Because doing something because you want to versus you have to is a totally different energy that you bring to it. I mean, even like you said, I work with a lot of moms who are overwhelmed and frustrated with the, just the job of raising children. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell them, you could just leave, you know, (laughs) you could just leave your kids at the park. Yeah. And just do that. Right. And they're like, well, I mean, that sounds so terrible. I'm not telling them that they should do that. I just really want them in their heads to recognize like, no, I genuinely could. Yeah. I could just leave this family and go get an apartment on my own and they would never find me again. Yes. And ultimately what that helps them do is come back to the place of, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to leave my kids in the park. I actually do want to be here being the mom raising my kids. And then we can really start accessing our own ability to then be willing to do hard things and to figure out solutions that make it easier. And all of those things are really much more available from a place of I'm choosing to do this than I have to do this. Oh yeah. And then you get to a place from, I, I have to do this, which is like you're compelled and you have to do something, which feels like you're in prison, right? There's no choice. I literally hear him often being like, I have no choice. The general manager, he runs my life. Yeah. He really runs your life. Yeah, I have no choices in my life. Everything I do is based on social media, how they're gonna, what they're gonna perceive about me, which is a relationship thing, right? Yep. And and I have to look good for everybody around me all the time. And I'm the money cow. And if I don't do that, then they're not gonna like me anymore. Those kind of people pleasing kind of things. Yep. But, but I see the whole idea of 
if you were able to let it all go, like you're saying with the mom with the kids, that's a great example mm-hmm. of how that seems unfathomable. We would right. not do that. And yet we, we could. And when, could. It, when you get to the place of, I choose to stay in the sport to provide for my family, or just if you're not at that level of pro, I choose to stay in the sport because I kind of do like some of the things that are challenging about it. But then you move to, I want to. And I think right. that continuum feels different. And even to within that, there are a bunch of other choices, right? Like I'm choosing to keep working with this general manager. Yes. Right? And, yes. and that may be the right decision that you still land on in the end, but to allow yourself to go to the place of, but I don't have to. I don't have to work with this manager. I don't have to have a manager at all. Like really allow yourself to think outside of the limitations we put on ourselves by what we've seen and what people have told us. Your brain just thinks that your thoughts are true. Why do you think it's so scary for athletes to think of, well, a few things, to think of the idea of letting go of sports, number one, that's mm-hmm. so scary, like a mom letting go of their kids. It's so, like they won't even let their mind consider it. Right. Why do you think it's so scary for them to just consider it? Just to, not that they're going to, but just be open to the idea of what would it look like? How would that be? Is that, is that something that really is a possibility? And just mm-hmm. dropping that kind of pressure. Why do you think it's so scary to do that? I think that, and I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I think that we have a certain level of distrust of ourselves or what we make it mean that we would even entertain that idea. Mm-hmm. what we make it mean about ourselves or, you know, it's that idea that like, if I just allow myself to think about the fact that that is an option, cause that's the truth. It is an option, right? Like when people say, well, divorce isn't an option. I'm like, that's a lie. Divorce is always an option, right? Yeah. Now to acknowledge that doesn't mean that you're saying that's the option you choose. Yes. And I think it's just, it feels so counterintuitive to what most of us have believed for so long, that if you allow your brain to consider that it's really an option, that it, it feels like then I'm really just going to like kick back and make terrible choices and not be responsible in my life. Yeah. But again, the opposite is true. Yeah. It provides a relief and a freedom. And, it, and again, I love the idea that like our sense of self, our sense of belonging to ourself matters more than almost anything else to us. So this is why we have problems in marriages. We have problems with money. We have problems with food. We have problems with all these things because we're constantly trying to gain back that sense of belonging to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when it feels like something encroaches on that, Mm -hmm. then a, a part of us fights to keep that sense of self alive. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we're talking about here, Amy, that some people will say is really out there, like don't tell people they should leave their children in the park, but all we're trying to do is give them back the sense of belonging to themselves. Yes. Right? Or to leave your sport. When you realize like you belong to you and your sport is secondary to that, Mm -hmm. then you can choose to participate in that sport. But I don't know, why do you think it's so scary for people? Well, I think you hit on it, is the idea that if we even have that thought, then it might happen. Then it might right. actually choose that, that result. I think it's the same for athletes who think, I can't think of anything scary. Like I can't think of myself crashing. When they have a thought that they might fail, they push it away so fast because they're afraid they might fail. They'll but make that, it true. Yeah. And that thought is still there. It's not because coaches are like, just don't think that thought. But in my mind, that thought is still there lingering, kind of like boiling underneath them. And they have this fear, well, if they knew what I was actually thinking, 
they would be disappointed in me or I might actually fail or, but the result always shows what's happening underneath is they are failing in a way that they're not showing up as a, like an attacking type athlete. It's when you're not showing up, like as a football player, when you're not attacking, you're getting hit harder. When you think you're working as hard as you can, you get hit harder when you have these underlying beliefs of what if I get hit? What if I get hurt? What if I do these things wrong? then you're, you're, and you're not willing to look at those thoughts. I think that's a huge thing in athletics. We're not willing to look at thoughts that might cause us pain because we're afraid of the thoughts. We're afraid they might actually come true. That's right. And I like to just shift people to a place of like, well, what I might fail Mm -hmm. and that would be okay. Yes. And if you, that's what kind of releases the pressure on that thought. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay, but it's not okay. It's not okay to the coaches. It's not okay to the parents. And when I talk about it, it freaks everybody out. There was one, one mom, I said, we're going to talk about fear. And she goes, I cannot believe you would even bring up that word. She couldn't say the word. Why are you afraid of fear? And she goes, do you know how many negative things you're doing to the athletes when you use that word? And it was a, it was so curious. I wasn't, I wasn't upset. It was very, very yeah, fascinating to me. It is, yeah. Because I go, what if we made it so you weren't afraid of that word, you know? And that was okay because that is part of life and that is part of being human. But I think right. that's the same for athletes. They're afraid of being afraid. They're yes. afraid of failure. And those are the kind of things with moms. They don't want to be a mom that fails. It's kind of the same idea. They're afraid of at the end looking back going, now I'm going to regret everything I did because I should have shown up better in some way. But for, mm-hmm. for athletes specific, just the idea of, of messing up is so scary. It's so scary mm, to entertain right? it all, but I don't think they need to entertain it. I think like you're saying, they just, I love Jody the way you say things, but the way they just open up their mind to consider that if that does happen, you can still be okay. Right. Feel okay. Right. That gives it a, a lot, but the idea that they won't open to it keeps them blocked. And I think it makes their performance suffer. Yeah. And it's kind of finding that balance between, um, you know, none of this matters really in the end. Yeah. I mean, literally none of it. Like, you know, you're, it's so fascinating, the parallel between the athletes that you're working with and the mothers that I'm working with, right? Like the athletes are like, no, failure is not an option. I want to succeed. This matters. This is important. I've given everything to this. And for my clients, it's, these are my kids. Yes. And the way they turn out and the way I raise them matters. And I'm like, really? Does it? Like, what if we just take a step back from the big picture, right, of life in general? Yes. And ask, like, does it really matter? And the answer is always no, because in the end, none of it changes our value or worth. Right. Right. Uh, We're all going to have the life experience we're supposed to have and the lessons we're supposed to get. Right. So when you can get to a place of none of this really, it's kind of like we were saying, like you could fail and that would be okay. Mm -hmm. When you can recognize that it doesn't really matter, that's when you can go all in on it really mattering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because now it's just like, why not? Why not try to do our best? Why not excel? Why not give it my all and really see what I'm capable of? Because wouldn't that be fun? Right. Rather than this heaviness of like, this all matters for these big, heavy reasons that we're not even consciously aware of. So, you know, like I tell my moms, they're like, I just want to be a good mom. And I tell them that's a terrible thought. I want to be a good mom. (laughs) And your brain's constantly looking for reasons why you're not being a good mom. Yes. Yes. He's decided I'm the mom. (laughs) That's it. I'm the mom. Some days great. Some days I'm a mess. Yeah. Right. And as an athlete to take that pressure off yourself, 
-hmm. and move into the space of like, let's just see what I could do because wouldn't it be awesome Mm -hmm. to see what I'm capable of with the skills and gifts I have and the resources and people supporting me. I wonder what I'm capable of. Not because it really matters in the heavy way that our subconscious brains think it does. Oh, I think that's beautiful, Jody. I love that. And I think it's really important for the athletes to see that they don't, well, first of all, they don't have to do the sport to be valuable. Right. right. You brought up that this sport doesn't define them. We always say, I used to always say, oh, I'm a gymnast. They're like, who are you? And before I even said Amy, I'd be like, I'm a gymnast. If you know, right. I, Oh yeah, that's right. I'm Amy also, but they're totally enmeshed and it's so dependent on, it's so codependent on each other that uh-huh. it's really hard to separate like we were talking about. But when we can realize that this doesn't matter, that this yeah. is for fun, that when you do something that you didn't want to have happen, it's okay. Those kind of ideas that you've been sharing, just like the moms, the way that they maybe didn't want to yell at their kids. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it, none of it really matters. We're just trying to become a better or a different version of ourselves. Yeah. I think that that pressure creates those mental blocks. So we have, we have a lot of young, as far as gymnastics, baseball, things like that. There's some longer um, sports that last a little longer. Gymnasts, Mm -hmm. we peak around 16, 17. Mm -hmm. They're pretty young and they get these mental blocks that coaches and parents get, and they get so frustrated with. But I think some of the mental blocks come from the idea that they have to do things. That their, yeah. that their athletic career depends on them showing up for themselves all the time. And when they don't, then why are they even doing the sport? You know, why right. are they putting all this time and money into something? And they feel the pressure of not disappointing others. So they have that, like I said, people pleasing. So there's just a little kind of an entangled kind of thing. I know that there's coaches who will, <laughs> there's a couple of coaches who will pay their gymnasts just to stop having mental blocks, you know, like just <laughs> go for it. Stop it. Awesome. <laughs> paying kids to stop playing video games and they're like, I'll just do it on the side, you know, and these kids right. are like, I don't know what the thing about for like gymnastics specifically is they can't hide the mental blocks. They're just either going or not going. And the coaches are going getting frustrated and the parents get frustrated and they threaten them with taking away their phones and taking away their sport. And the kids feel devastated. And it's a really um emotional roller coaster for these athletes who don't know how to manage their mind and their emotions. Yeah. Then I have coaches who are like, yeah, we know it's, you know, 90% mental. I'm like, but what are you doing about helping that? They're like, we tell them to go for it. And then these kids get frustrated. I'm curious, Amy, when you talk about a mental block, what do you mean by that? Okay. So for example, we'll have kids who will say, I just, I used to be able to do the skill yesterday and then I can't do it anymore. I'll say, well, where did it go? Let's go find it. You know, let's go find that skill that you lost. Is it in your gym bag? Is it in the locker? Where is it at? So for, for me, it's just, they've just shifted their mind to something scary about this. Something feels unsafe. So that to me is a mental block that something doesn't feel right. Something feels off. And Uh so they don't want to go for something if it feels unsafe. I mean, we're flipping over our heads. So there is some safety issue, but they don't just jump to flipping over their heads when they haven't done progressions. So I don't feel like it's an unsafe situation, but their brain, their lower brain's got them to a place of, there's a safety issue here. I'm trying to keep you alive. So when we can uh, where the safety issue came from and we can shift their mind to helping them find evidence that it's not, um, it's not an unsafe environment to continue to do the things that they love and they can do. Yeah. And I think it opens them up. So mental block for me just means that they've shifted their mind to something's unsafe about this skill or this moment. Yeah. And if I fail that that's unsafe, just the emotional failure, as opposed to the physical, there is physical failures mm-hmm. in any sport and, and not even sports, just in life where we can, right. there's unsafe moments, right? right? But what do you think about mental blocks? What would no, you say? No, I was just curious because um, I'm just wondering if, you know, if I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a young athlete like that. And as soon as I hear that term mental block, yeah. it almost sounds like 
it, it sounds so challenging to let go of, right? Yeah. Like even just calling it a mental block. Right. It's like, uh oh, yeah. That, I got I have a mental block. And I'm just curious if you, if you were like, and I'm sure this is the work you're doing with your athletes is you demystify it. And, and even, you know, we have all kinds of sayings like that, yeah. um, you know, specific to our industries or our culture, or just in general, in our society, we say things like I fell off the wagon mm-hmm. or, um, what was it? I had, um, I had a, a client that kept saying that she was what was the word? Gosh, it's totally slipping my mind now. Um, it's just this stuck feeling, right? It's like a yeah, block, like, or, like an artery block. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. A mental block or I fell off the wagon or I'm just spinning. Mm. I'm just spinning in a decision. Right. And we say these kind of terms that we've heard, yeah. but I'm always like to just kind of break them apart for people or, or people will say, well, he just put, knows how to push my buttons, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and I'll say, Hey, good news. You don't have buttons. There is no wagon. Right. So there's right? No like, block. and you, there is no th- such thing as a mental block. Mm. There's just a thought that, that keeps coming up in your brain and that's okay. And let's just take a look at that thought and let's talk about why that is just a thought and not a fact. Mm-hmm. And let's maybe find a thought that you still equally believe that you could redirect your brain to every time it comes up. And sometimes I just think whenever we call it a mental block or something like that, right? It almost like feeds it. That's a good in point. In a way. Yeah, I agree with that. I anyway. like that. So when they get injured, so a relationship with an injury, I mean, that's another thing that you can think about. An injury is just a circumstance. Right. And relationship with injuries are very devastating for athletes. They're very, um, like it just ruins them and it ruins their career and it ruins their hope and those kind of mm-hmm. things. So like the idea of a mental block, breaking it down and a mental, if we were to put that as just a circumstance, it's just, if you de- demystify it, like you said, Jody, I love that. And making it realize, Hey, what is the thought? And let's find a, a thought that you can redirect your brain to when it's misguided. It's kind of the same thing with injuries, right? That you could kind yeah. of look at injuries. You think of it as being something that's going to ruin your relationship. You're, it's almost like you're going through separation right now. And you're not uh-huh. divorced because you don't know for sure if this is going to ruin the rest of your career, but it's kind of that same idea, right? Yeah, similar, but here's one way I would differentiate is an injury is something that I would put in the circumstance, like a line, right? I would be, I would give it to a client as like, let's say they have a sprained ankle. Yeah. Then we could diagnose, a doctor could diagnose that as a sprain. And there are certain things happening within the body in order to try to compensate for that. and that could be a circumstance that legitimately happened. And then yes, now we want to choose how we're going to think about that. Whereas a mental block is never going to go in the factual circumstance line of their model, right? Because we went all so, on that. Yeah. And we can't draw, like draw blood and say, yep, it's true. You have a mental block. <laughs> right. 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 So I think that's why I, I worry that sometimes we label things like that, which makes the athlete feel like, oh yeah, that just, ha- that's happening to me now right. as though I have a sprained ankle and I have a mental block. Okay. Yes. As opposed to like, listen, good news. There's nothing blocked in your brain. There's no yeah. mental block. There's a thought that you're thinking. Yes. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that happens to all of us mm-hmm. and nothing's gone wrong here. And let's just be open to playing with that thought 
Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's it's different from an injury in that it's so much more controllable. Like it, it might just genuinely take weeks for my ankle to heal, right? Whereas a mental block, could, like that's something that could change in a second if we found the right redirect. The right redirect. You know what I'm saying yes, yeah. And they can consistently move their just, just they're just misguided with the way that they're thinking. That's right. And, and they're just, their brain is offering it for, to your point, for good reason, trying to keep you alive. Let's not shame it. Let's not, you know, here's some money. If you can just stop thinking it, like let, we have to really understand it and acknowledge it, but it is within their control to change is the, the really powerful thing about it. Yes. So I have a, another question. This is just a little bit, I know that we probably don't want to go too much longer for the time, but, um, I have another question as far as what you could offer. Cause I know you work with parents a lot offer to parents as far as their influence on their kids' um, uh, experience of athletics? Because there's at some point in athletics, either the parents put them in or the kid really begged to be in the sport, right? Yeah. And then like um, just our natural development, at some point we stopped looking to our future to be able to walk and things like that. We started looking to our past to show us evidence that we're capable. I think the same thing happens with athletes. They start off thinking this is going to be the best thing ever. And then they start thinking, wait a second, can I even do this? And then they have different voices at a young age where their higher brain is not fully developed. And so they're taking the influences of the words and the actions of parents and coaches, and they're trying to internalize, what does this mean about me? Do they believe in me? Do I believe in me? Do the coaches believe in me? And at young ages, that's something that really influences whether they're going to get to the point where a lot of times teenagers, especially, um, debate as athletes, if they're getting to a higher level, if it's going to be worth it, if they're not going to get the full ride scholarship, why not quit now? And then they get evidence from different people, especially the parents. Do you think this is worth my time anymore? I think the parents have a huge, um, huge influence on their kids. Now, does that mean that the kids do things because I think the parents' thoughts do influence the kids' thoughts on what they're going to determine for their future. And I think it makes a big difference when, like, for example, I have some parents who will say, hey, if you're not going to get this skill, then why don't you just quit, right? And that makes a difference on the kids' ability to show up to me, because their kids will think, maybe maybe I'm not going to be able to get this. Maybe it's not worth my parents. I have kids who feel super, super anxious about the idea of not getting a scholarship because then it will have been a waste of time and money for their parents, and their parents didn't have a lot of means for them to do this in the first place. So there, I think there's a lot of added pressure mm-hmm. from the parents, and I wonder if there's any thoughts you could offer. Does that make sense? To yeah. Um, my thoughts are that we have in life like – things that we choose to do that really push us. And that's one of the things I love about athletics is yeah. it, it forces you not only physically, but obviously mentally as well, right? To push yourself and evolve in these ways, which I think is such a brilliant and beautiful way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the end result that we hope to achieve through that process. Yeah. And then there's the process itself. And so many of us are so focused on that end result of winning the medal or getting the scholarship or whatever the end result may be that we lose sight of the fact that it's the process of getting there that, that really is the good stuff in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I personally don't believe there's such a thing as wasted money or wasted time. Even if you go down that path and you, you come in last place or you don't get the scholarship, or you decide that you just really don't even like that sport anymore, and you end up quitting after years of investing time and money. Mm-hmm. I still never would call that a waste of anything, mm-hmm. because in the process of doing that, you became a different version of you. 
right? Again, with athletes, we see it physically, the development, but also we know what's happening mentally and emotionally. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's actually harming them more than helping them if it's not, you know, appropriately handled. But that process is so valuable. So, you know, I was talking to one of my clients who was saying she just can't decide if she should force her daughter to stay in piano lessons or let her quit, Mm -hmm. right? Similar with Again, you're not talking about necessarily quitting, but it's the same idea. Like if you're not going to get there, if you're not going to get the scholarship, what's the point of all this? Right. Told her like, she's like, I just don't want to, like, it would have been a waste of all this money we've been spending. Right. I'm like, well, you can choose to think of it that way. Like this is a waste because what? She's not like, what was the end goal even with the piano? Right. Mm -hmm. Or you can think, of course that wasn't a waste. She knows how to play the piano now better than she did before. And she gained some confidence and she gained the ability to learn how to do things that she doesn't really want to do, like overriding her lower brain and honoring commitments and interpersonal skills. Like none of that was a waste. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, you know, in answer to your question, Amy, I just think that as a parent, to we can have the opportunity, like you said, to influence our kids. Yes. Yes. I want my kids to strive to achieve big things in their lives, but not even because of the thing they'll achieve more so because of the process of getting there and who they will become along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so the end goal doesn't even matter in my opinion. In the end, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. It's just about who we're becoming along the way. That's right. Thanks, Jody. I think that's a super helpful thought for parents to really consider what they think their kids are supposed to be doing to help parents feel a little bit better about whatever happens is supposed to happen and it will be okay. That's right. And it helps a lot. Okay. So I had one more perspective. I was really curious about, because you work with um, Christian parents and families and LDS, um, yeah. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You're a member mm-hmm. of, and I am as well. And one thing I thought about the other relationship is when you were talking about the three points of relationships, myself with my, if, if I was an athlete, me and me, me and God and God and me. And when That's we right. put in that perspective, it kind of, like you said, takes out all the pressure. Because if we think of what God probably thinks of us, it kind of, what do you think about that triangle as far as athletes being the, the one part of the triangle and God being the other part of this relationship? Yeah. Well, because the way God thinks about us is, is so perfect, right? Like he just loves us unconditionally, no matter what. There's nothing we can do that would change his love for us, right? Right. Is what I believe. And so it's the, it, it's the, ideal, I mean, it's such a great illustration of that idea of a relationship being about your thoughts about the other person and your thoughts about yourself in relation to them, because we don't have to worry about what God thinks of us. Right. He's perfect at loving. So it really just comes down to my thoughts about God and my spirituality overall. And then my thoughts about myself in relationship to God. That's what makes up my relationship with God, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just now a lot of us think like, well, God's disappointed in me or he doesn't want this for me or whatever. That's just all about us, right? If we step back and really like look at what the doctrine teaches for most Christian religions, it's that God loves you unconditionally. Yeah. That's it. So he wants us to, you know, live our lives in a certain way only for our sake, not for his sake. Yes. So I I think about the idea that I don't think God's going to love me more if I can do a back handspring on the high beam. And I don't think I'm going to get into heaven if I can do a handstand for one minute, you know, that's That's right. 
that's not going to get me in. And he's not going to love me more because I did that. It's all because he just wants me to be able to enjoy whatever it is that I want to enjoy in the process. So I love that. I love the idea that if, if we are working with somebody who does have that unconditional love, which in my, in my thoughts is he's the only one that knows what that really is. then I don't have to worry about his thoughts about me. It's just, what do I think about me and what do I think about him? Which puts it all kind of back in the perspective of this yeah. is all just for fun anyways. So right. Jody, thank you so much for your time. And do you want to tell us and remind us where they can find you if they want to hear more options for as far as relationships and so many other great things that you offer to everybody in so many different places. But will you tell us a little bit about how to find you? Yeah. The best place, like you said, is I, I have a podcast called better than happy that you can check out, learn a little bit more about what I teach. Um, or you can go to my website, jodymore.com. It's Jody with a Y. Um, and there's some free resources there for people. So, Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Amy. It was so fun talking with you. Super fun. Okay. We'll talk to you again sometime. All right. Hey, thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening or have questions about something you heard on this podcast, go to Flippin' Awesome Coaching to get your questions answered. Thanks for sharing this episode with your friends. Have a flippin' awesome week. Bye.